You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I'm pretty sure we don't have football today. Um, I can't hardly keep track of this schedule anymore. But hey, we still got football, so I'm not going to complain about it. We'll see what happens come some Sunday and who gets bumped out and back and everything else. But as of now, all is good. Full slate on Sunday, ready to rock and roll. And uh, apparently the Green Bay Packers game, although not a primetime game, is going to be nationally televised. I don't really know how that works. I mean, it's America's game of the week, but usually that doesn't mean much outside of the moniker. But I guess there's only two afternoon games, so maybe that's why. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Wouldn't that mean Jets and Dolphins is also nationally televised? They're just two nationally televised games on different channels? Or is that, I don't know. It feels special, and then it's like, yeah, Jets and Dolphins are also nationally televised. It's like, oh, this isn't special. Okay. I don't know. So today is actually going to be our official uh, last mishmashy day. By the way, I've been hearing for several days now people saying that they're having issues with the podcast or whatever. It's not working. It's not loading. Um, I don't know what the issue is. I know people yesterday were saying they were using Himalaya. If you're having issues, try something else. I don't know that I've ever heard of anybody saying they've had issues with Spotify, and because that's something that gets used across platforms, that might be your best bet. If you're having issues, try Spotify. I know iTunes has had several issues in the past. Most of my listeners are using iTunes or Google Podcasts or whatever it's called these days. You've heard me rant and rave about how much I don't care for it, although I don't really care as long as it's working. But I've also heard several times that it's very slow. Um, I've got um, Google Podcast is my primary that I use, and usually by the time I post it, it takes five to ten minutes for it to pop up, and I've seen sometimes where it's hours for iTunes or some other thing, and people are like, hey, are you going to post today? It's like, dude, I did hours ago. So I just want to make sure that it gets out to you. I know some of you guys, you know, you're listening on your drive-in or whatever, and if I don't hit you then, it's just not going to happen, so I just want to make sure that, uh, I don't know, Maybe set up notifications on a couple different platforms, so if it doesn't pop up here, it'll, you'll see it over there or something. I don't know. Just a thought. I've also got this Adori thing. I kind of had it for a different reason, but it's also a podcast player. I My podcast will pop up like in the afternoon on that Adori, so that's it's just not great. Just a thought. If you're ever having issues, let me know, and I'll see what I can do about it. I know I've had people reach out and say, hey, your podcast got cut off. Um, oftentimes I just forget to publish it and the first person that tells me is, you know, two hours later and then it's really upsetting, but, um, it just, I'm just, I guess I'm just extra worried because it's been several days in a row now. So it's like, oh man, something, is something seriously wrong? Couple that with a bit of a dip in the numbers the last couple days. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, if there's an issue, let me know. Outside of just the eight Himalaya users out there. Never, I don't know if I've ever even heard of that before yesterday. Um, big shout out to Daryl. Thank you very much for supporting me, as always. Um, I don't think that might have been a couple days ago, and I just forgot because I'm a terrible person. But as always, I really do appreciate all the support. If you'd like to support the podcast, by the way, you can support me on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. I do greatly appreciate that. There are other ways if you want to check the description. Otherwise, um, inviting people to the Facebook page or Facebook group is always awesome. 
Five-star iTunes reviews, I don't think they do anything, but I appreciate them anyways. I've had several people um, message me about reaching out to friends and family about the podcast. That's awesome. Also, uh, pretty big news. I got um, I mentioned yesterday the amount of stress. Lots of projects going on right now, but I'm, I'm extremely excited about uh, all of them. The, the big one that's coming this week, we're going to be working on a, uh, a newsletter. Not working on. We have one ready for this week. Um, obviously, there's complications because there's always complications, but... Please be on the lookout for that. I'm hoping by today sometime we'll, we'll be able to get you signed up for that and we'll get it sent out this Saturday. And no, it's not just going to be, hey guys, make sure you check out my podcast and here's how you can donate. No, it's I, I wanted to do a newsletter that every single Packers fan on earth would want to have. And so basically it's chock full of information that you didn't know. For the most part. I mean, that's that's the goal. And, and um, we're working with... Uh, someone right now to be named in the future primarily when i can learn how to pronounce his name but uh, very excited about him and the work that he did putting together this first newsletter just i'm beyond excited about it and you're absolutely going to love it completely free just shoot your email um again i'll get you that sign up whenever i can the only complication is apparently by law you have to have an address and um nobody really wants to step up and put their address in there so i'm we're working through that but again, hopefully by today, and, and you're definitely not going to want to miss this newsletter. It's I was blown away reading it. It's awesome stuff. Stats and history and, you know. Anyways, we might as well jump into the most exciting news of the day. Devontae Adams and Kenny Clark were both full participants. Completely ready to rock and roll. Um, very excited about it. Some concern about a couple other players. Two guys that did not practice, Kevin King and Tyler Irvin. Uh, Kevin's got a quad in injury, and Tyler Irvin has a wrist injury. A couple other limiteds, which usually limiteds don't bother me, but we've seen a little bit of a track record of guys who are limited and then don't practice and then don't play, or just limited and don't play. But it just Jair is also injured, so it's it's kind of like wide receiver, where you know in the past it was like, oh, we'll be fine, and then you find out, you know, Lazard is going on IR, and then you find out. Um, why can't I think of, of Devontae? i got so many names running through my head. Devontae's not playing. It's like, oh, we have no wide receivers. Now I'm definitely going to panic. If we find out Kevin King is officially out and then Jair's like, no, I don't know, he's really not doing well, we are in a lot of trouble. But so far, I'm not freaking out. Uh, Chris Barnes, a linebacker, also limited. I'm not as worried about that. I know there's still a bunch of hype about um, him being one of the higher-graded guys via PFF and all that, but as I've mentioned before, and I, you know, I'm still excited for him and everything that he's rated so highly. Every single game, he's done worse. So he started off real hot. His second game was okay. His third game was not great. His fourth game was, game was terrible. In other words, it seems extremely fluky and probably not something that's going to be sustained. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, Rashawn Gary also limited. Um, I guess that's good news considering he hasn't been playing. I mean, we're very excited to get him back. I think really one of the biggest issues with the defense, and it's not even, I don't know, I think our defense is slightly underrated. Has issues for sure, but we'll talk more about that um, with the newsletter I put in my uh, score prediction. So I had to do a little bit of homework and some digging. And uh, based on my extensive research, I came to the conclusion that the Packers defense is actually holding up better against the teams they've played than the Buccaneers are against the teams that they've played. Or, or at least extremely close. I don't, I don't exactly remember what the numbers were. But uh, anyways, one of the biggest benefits that's going to happen to this team is if and when the pass rush gets going again. I know we finally saw Zadarius get moving a little bit, 
but we've had uh, no Kenny Clark, we've had no Rashawn, and Preston has been AWOL. And so it's really been whenever Zadarius can muster something, which, you know, I think he was at 17% last week, which was exciting, which was his average for the year last year, because on top of having some 10, 9, whatever type games, he had some 22% games. So anyways, if we get all these guys going a little bit, get that pressure going, get Jair, you know, if he's able to maintain what he's doing, sky's the limit for the defense. But I, I, we we, we got to either get Rashawn back or something's got to happen because Zadarius can't do it all by himself, and that's assuming Zadarius can even stay at the level he was at last week. Um, other limiteds, um, actually only one other, is Mercedes Lewis, um, which actually has been a extremely underrated part of our offense. As of right now, the, um, the Packers have 11 guys with grades 70 and above. 11 out of 26, which is funny because, and it was the same in 2011. It was it was almost identical. It was actually kind of funny to compare the two, and I was planning on doing that at some point. Maybe today. We'll see how it goes. Not a ton of time. Holy cow, I don't have a lot of time at all. But it is it is funny how an elite offense can have, you know, not even half of its offense playing at an average or above level. But anyways, on this list, if we exclude A.J. Dillon, which we could reasonably do because he's had 15 total snaps, who is number four on this offense right now. Mercedes Lewis would be fourth, the fourth highest graded player on this team, actually just slightly ahead of Devontae. Uh, Mercedes Lewis is off to a phenomenal start. His his receiving grade is only, you know, 69-ish, so good-ish, but his blocking has been on point, which I know, well, his blocking is always good. No, it's not. That's sort of a myth. He's He's a good blocker, I mentioned this when we picked him up because everybody said he's the great best blocking tight end in football. And you go look at it, and it's like, yeah, is is kind of weird when you looked at his history. It was you know one year great pass blocker, terrible run blocker. Next year or the year prior, really good run blocker, terrible pass blocker. There were only a handful of years where he was just a dominant blocker across the board. But at least so far this year, he has been. He's been a solid receiver, a solid pass blocker, and a solid run blocker. Which is, I mean, it's rare for anybody. It's not, I'm not picking on, I mean, he may still be the best blocking tight end in football. It's just a matter of, you just generally don't see guys that are good receivers and pass blockers and run blockers, but he's pulling it off right now. And again, excluding A.J. Dillon, he's the fourth highest graded person on this team. You got Aaron Rodgers, number one, massive drop off to David Bakhtiari, then Corey Lindsley, then Mercedes Lewis, then Devontae Adams. Those are your top five, and all five of those guys are 80 or above, which 80 being very good. Aaron Rodgers at a 96 means basically he's perfect. I mean, it's just, it's rare to see anybody with a grade that high, period. That's like Aaron Donald range. But anyways, hopefully we get Mercedes back. Um, As far as those three categories, uh, receiving, pass blocking, and run blocking for Mercedes Lewis, because I mentioned how, you know, some of these guys are a little bit more fluky because they have great games and then terrible games. The only time he graded out poorly in any of those three categories across three games that he's played was week one as a receiver. He's got a couple 60s mixed in, but um, again, the only time he graded out actually poorly was week one as a receiver, but week three as a receiver, he had a 90.9 overall grade. They graded him as an elite as an elite receiver. So he's having a great year at the ripe old age of 36. And obviously, as you saw, uh, Matt LaFleur is not willing to go out without basically six offensive linemen. And if we don't have uh, Mercedes Lewis, we're just going to throw another offensive lineman out there. So it kind of goes to show how critical that position is for Matt LaFleur. And um, Mercedes is doing a great job of that. But again, it just goes to show how critical it is. That's something to think about too going forward in the draft. Obviously, Mercedes is not going to be around for very much longer. 
And if that role is that critical to Matt LaFleur, that he's going to put a sixth offensive lineman out there, including possibly running on running out on pass plays, you have to assume that we're, we're going to be looking for another time. Unless Josiah DeGuara is supposed to be that guy. Maybe, but I wouldn't think so. And I don't think Jace is going to be that guy. I, I hate to say we're going to get another tight end, but I don't really know who's going to fit the Mercedes Lewis role between Josiah DeGuara and Jay Sternberger. I'm just saying. I guess Tanyan, but I mean, Tanyan was there last week. They still rolled out another offensive lineman. Plus, big, brutish blocking tight ends. The NFL doesn't even care about those guys anymore. We probably get the best one in the draft in like the fifth or sixth round. Like, yeah, he's, he's a really pretty poor receiver, but I mean, he'll block anybody out of the universe. Like, boom, I want him. I'll take him. Undrafted, you got it. He's going to have four catches on the season, but he is just going to block everybody out of the flibbing stadium. Um, Man, I really hate to do it so quickly, but we are uh, rapidly running out of time. Why don't we take a break here before we launch into some other stuff so I can kind of stop worrying about the time and just get going here. Take a quick break. We'll be right back. So as the uh, weather is starting to get quite a bit colder, you're probably starting to bust out the old sweatshirts and everything else. I did it again yesterday, man. I went out on my walk during my lunch break with the Iron Jock hoodie on. I'm telling you, this thing is nice. Feels good. Super silky smooth. It looks good. You know, it's it's I've had several people ask if it's like a real tight fit. Especially, it seems like some of the fancier companies. You'd think if you pay a bunch of money, they'd want you to look good. But I'll go out and get like a large thinking, ah, you know, could probably fit in a large. And it is just, this thing is like a smedium, man. It's like, why... Do I pay all this money just so you can tell me I'm fat, t-shirt? I don't appreciate that at all. But I slipped a large on with the old uh, Iron Jock hoodie. It's it's just right at that right spot where it's like, yeah, you should probably lose a couple pounds. But I still look good. Looks nice. Fits nice. Definitely kept me warm even though it's extremely lightweight. It's just comfortable all the time. It keeps it, it kept me warm when you first go outside and there's that burst of cold. But I also went for a little bit of a run. I'm trying to do that more. And it wasn't like, man, I got to rip this thing off because I can't breathe and I'm sweating and I'm dying. So, again, polo shirts, vests, workout shirts, sweatshirts, shorts, socks and underwear, running jackets, hoodies, pants. Wicking and fast drying, breathable, uh, eliminates odor with the silver ion and all that. Killing the bacteria. And probably, again, one of my favorite things, when I come back from my walk, usually you rip off a hoodie and you just hear the pop, 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 the static. And then you touch something and your hand blasts off. Your hair's all standing up. The hoodies are anti-static. So check them out, ironjock.com, I-R-O-N-J-O-C.com. Follow them on Facebook or on Twitter at Ironjock. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. 
Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So something that cropped up via uh, Zach Cruz and the Packers wire that kind of um, makes me a little bit sad because Aaron Rodgers illuminated something that it's just one of those things. It's like, I should have, I should have seen this. This is an insight I should have come up with. And it just, it didn't happen. I've mentioned it in the past when I've talked about Matt LaFleur and his scheme and some of the benefits of it. Everything's been right there. I just, it just didn't quite, I don't know, just didn't graze across my brain, I guess. So I missed it. My bad. But Aaron Rodgers elaborated a little bit on uh, why the offensive line is doing such a great job, which is a valid question when you lose offensive linemen. And, um, to be frank, you have Lucas Patrick and Billy Turner on the right side of the offensive line, which should cause some panic. Not saying they're the worst offensive linemen in history, but to envision them being very, 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 very good offensive linemen, it's kind of weird. Also, Corey Lindsley being the best center in football, best grade he's ever had. Um, Bakhtiari's out of his mind. Elton, not so much. I don't know what's going on with him, but we'll just ignore that because the offensive line is fine and Packer fans want to believe he's the greatest Hall of Famer and the history of the world. I'll let you believe that until I'm starting to get actually very concerned, which I'm not quite yet, but maybe a little. Anyways, very, very simple. And again, I've, I've talked about it in the past, mostly when I talk about college. Um, when I've looked at different scouting um, or scouting different players, especially linebackers, which some of my favorite people to watch in college are linebackers and running backs, just because I feel like I have a at least a fairly decent understanding of what it is they're supposed to do and whether or not I think they're good or not. Wide receiver is one. I mean, corners and safeties, I can't even see them, which I guess is a problem for wide receivers too. But I don't know, man. It's it's hard to gauge wide receivers for me. I don't, I don't know. But one of the things I've always noticed about linebackers, especially in college football, is how good a linebacker is largely depends on the offense that they're going up against. You take any linebacker, and they can look solid against a team like, you know, I don't know, Wisconsin or something. Or maybe that's a bad example because they got great offensive lines and running backs, etc. But more vanilla style offenses where it's very clear what your job as a linebacker is. When it's just power against power, you take the mental game out of it, right? You're going to try to push me out of the way. I'm not going to let you push me out of the way. Then a running back's going to come up behind you. I get you out of the way. I tackle him. Very straightforward. That same linebacker who just dominates that kind of stuff, when you start adding in all the motions, the uh, fake jet sweeps, when there's five different guys running in six different directions and it forces that linebacker to freeze that guy just gets picked on all day long he doesn't know what to do when it's a run play rather than charging after the running back like you just watched him do in that last game he just stands there why isn't he closing the gap why isn't he engaging the blocker because he doesn't know if it's actually a run play because if he starts running forward and it's actually a pass play he's way out of position likewise he's got a tight end running behind him why doesn't he chase the tight end because it might be a run play So he just stands there looking stupid. And it ends up being the same thing with the defensive line. When you've got a guy running across the formation that might get the ball, if you go charging after the quarterback, or if you're a defensive lineman and you start pushing as hard as you can to just close and collapse the pocket, and that guy actually takes the ball, you're way out of position. So you you kind of force the defensive line from aggressiveness to more of a hold-your-gap kind of a situation gap integrity right let's just hang back if it's a running back let's just hold your gap if this guy takes the sweep we'll hold the edge and try to press him back 
And then if it's a pass, we'll, we'll try to you know, re-engage and, and really get aggressive here, which of course is hard to do. If you're not jumping the snap and you're not trying to get off early, the offensive lineman has a massive advantage. And if they start getting aggressive, you start doing those things. If you're dumb enough to actually come hard at us, fine, I'm going to give the ball to Irvin or Lazard or whoever the next guy up is that's not hurt that's going to be taking those sweeps. Equinemius, I guess. I don't know. And really, it's just you're just playing off the defense. The defense is going to decide what to do. We're either going to be aggressive, we're going to hang back, and Aaron Rodgers is sitting there waiting for the defense to decide, and then when you choose, I do the other thing. And Matt LaFleur's watching too. If you're overly aggressive, fine. We're going to start leaning on the plays designed to beat overly aggressive defenses, which, and this is the brilliance of the offensive system, that play looks exactly the same. It's not like we're going to line up differently. The defensive coordinator says, oh, I know what they're doing now. They're going to be aggressive, or they're, they're going to play that you know, whatever, to to try to mitigate our aggression, so we're going to back off. No, same exact play. For the first portion of the play, the first two seconds of the play, it's the exact same play. It looks exactly identical. You don't know what they're doing. And so, and I've I've highlighted this before. If you're on the uh, Packernet Podcast Facebook page, there's a couple different videos there. I don't remember exactly which one. And since that one's never going to be monetized, I'll probably keep putting videos on there because, I mean, you know, I mean, I want to follow your rules, Facebook, but if you're going to refuse to let me monetize, then I'm just going to keep breaking your rules, I guess. I don't know. But you can see guys freeze. When you watch this, you see defenses freeze because they just don't know. You're kind of waiting for the dust to clear. And in a game that happens this fast, in a matter of seconds, you, you don't have time to pause. You don't have time to think. So basically, fast-forwarding to what we're talking about right now, Aaron Rodgers sort of highlighted the fact that, you know, as, as much as, yeah, the offensive line is great, they're doing a great job, a lot of the success has to do with the fact that the defense is just always off guard. They have one of two choices. One is to either pick. You play rock, paper, scissors with the Packers, which is to say you just hope that you pick the right thing at the right time and, and just get them. Right? It's a run play, and we're getting overly aggressive, and we're just attacking the offensive line. And we just hope it's either a run play or a deep pass or something so that we don't get burned real bad. And if it is, it pays off, right? Packers threw paper, we threw scissors, and we got lucky and we won. Because if we throw either paper or rock, we lose. I know that's not technically how rock, paper, scissors works, but in this case, I'm saying that's exactly how it works. The other option is to, again, dial back the aggressiveness, wait and see, and then hope that your guys can play well enough to make it work either way or some combination in between, right? If you've got, for example, some guys on the edge that are just trying to hold the edge and the guys in the middle are just going to try to really get a lot of pressure. Some guys designed for more integrity, other guys designed for this, that, or the other, but it's just, it's impossible to do everything at all times when you're facing this offense. And so you almost need a, a like, elite defense that can do two things at once, guys with a ridiculous amount of speed so that if, you know, by the time I see it's a pass, I can drop into coverage and get there real fast to make the quarterback think twice about it or, or something to that effect. But, um, again, obviously a fantastic insight and one that, that I'm, not happy that I missed because that's that's a huge part of what this offense is designed to do to keep the defense off guard because a lot of what defenses do is they take their cues once the ball is snapped they're able to process what's about to happen very quickly and maybe some of these guys already can because generally an offensive line is either going to be run blocking or pass blocking and that'll kind of tip their hat as to what's exactly is going on but there's still misdirection sometimes they'll run block to the right and then they'll give the ball to the left Right, you see that a lot. The offensive line will shift to the right. 
the defense's job then is to get out in front of the defensive line. So not only are they also shifting to the defense's left, but they're actually trying to get out in front of the defensive li- or the offensive line. The linebackers are flowing in that direction, and then you'll have a running back as well as usually a lead block or somebody will pull to the other direction and kind of seal off the other way. It's all about just keeping you off base. It's all about because we think about what defensive coordinators always say that they want to do. They want defenses to stop thinking and start reacting. In other words, you're so programmed that you don't even think anymore. You just do. Well, if you're a smart and offensive coordinator, if you're a smart enough offensive coordinator slash head coach, whatever play caller, you can take advantage of that. If I do this, I'm going to flip that switch, and a really good, really veteran linebacker, safety, whatever, is going to automatically default to I want to do this. And when I get them to do that, we hit them with this, and then you start to sow doubt. They're going to start doubting their own instincts, and that's a great thing because the best thing about veterans is when they're so intelligent, they just they can sniff out a play, and they just know what's coming. They got a hunch. They got, they got instinct. It's literally instinct because they've been playing for so long. They just see certain things. They're probably not even entirely sure what it is they, they see. They just know. They've watched so much film. They've played so many games. You take you know field position, down and distance, the, the film study that you've watched, all those years of experience all culminate into, I know what they're going to do here. And then when the ball is snapped, they see certain things and they react, and suddenly something changes. Wait, wait a minute, he doesn't have the ball. Hey, wait, where's that guy going? Oh, no. Right? And then again, you sow seeds of doubt. They start to wonder, I, I, maybe I'm, I, I've lost my time, I don't know what I'm doing. And next time when he starts booking it to center field and the, the pass goes out to the, the boundary or whatever... Rather than trusting his instincts and sprinting to where he probably thinks he should be, or take linebacker, that same example again, he believes it's a run, sprints to the offensive line, and then they throw the ball over his head, he's going to be much more hesitant next time because he just got completely worked over. So next time when we run it on third and short, rather than crashing down on the offensive line trying to make a play, he's hanging back for a half a second. And we've seen examples of that. A lot of these film guys on Twitter and whatnot. They show how that that half step of hesitance is just enough time to get the running back through the hole, get a blocker up there, and instead of, you know, maybe a one-yard gain, it ends up being like a six-yard gain because the linebacker just froze for a half a second, and that's all it takes. And I think that same, uh, the same principle applies to, you know, pass rushers, defensive linemen, linebackers, people that are assaulting offensive lines. Aaron Rodgers and, and Matt LaFleur want to make you freeze and pause, and it's not it's not just, you know, we're going to try to get you to do that and hopefully we can trick you into doing that. It's you will freeze and you better freeze and think about it because that's probably the best option that you have is to stop and think about it. Because if you don't, we're going to hurt you. Because in a way, as much as we want you to freeze, we're actually okay if you decided to get aggressive and just make a decision. It might burn us, but more than likely, you, you just, you're, you're picking your poison. And so, again, it's, it's, a, it's a really brilliant system. And if you got the right coach that knows how to run it, because again, it's not like Madden where you can just pull up a playbook. Any Mike McCarthy knows these plays. He can call one of these plays anytime, but it's about how do you coach it? What, what about the timing? What about the footwork? What about all these little intricate details? Also about the fact that it all builds on each other. How does that work? What do you start with? How do you know where to start? How do you know how to build? How do you play off of what the defense has been doing? What are we building toward? We, we run this play, and then we run this play, and then we run this play, because we want them to do what so that we can do what? This, 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 it's a whole universe that you have to understand. Again, it's not, it's not Madden. You don't just call these plays, and then it works. If that was it, we would have been running this a lot more last year, and we would have looked really good doing it last year. But we didn't, because again, it's not just that Matt LaFleur has to know it, or the head coach has to know it, the offense has to know it. You have to know how to teach it, how to coach it. 
Mike McCarthy doesn't know how to coach this up. What, what, what are we teaching our guys to key in on? And then there's an additional layer. After the ball is snapped for the receivers and tight end, depending on what these guys are doing, this is what you do. Right? If the linebacker's dropping, this is what you do. If he's crashing, this is what you do. If the safety's drifting toward the center field as opposed to the boundary, this is what you do. And if everybody understands their role and where they're supposed to be and Aaron Rodgers understands where they're supposed to be and everybody's in sync, you can't stop the offense. You can't. It's cheating. It's, it's like when your, your friend cheated in Madden, which wasn't really cheating. It's just you didn't know how to stop that one play, but that was it. It was just not stoppable. And so to a large degree, the, the best thing that you can do is to sort of be aggressive and try to get lucky and shut them down so that you can go out and score and try to stay ahead of the Packers. But again, that's, that's a dangerous game to play. Man, I'm, I'm really pretty upset that uh, we're out of time, but we are. Um, in, in other news, the Packers yesterday hosted a tryout for Ravens linebacker Alvin Jones, which is uh, Aaron Jones' brother. I feel like this is something that has either happened before or has been discussed before because somebody brought up the uh, the fact that this is about getting Aaron Jones on a, on a sweet deal, like, hey, we'll bring your brother in. Maybe somebody just mentioned it as a joke, and then, you know, here we are. I'm not really sure, but either way, he's here now. Um, Alvin Jones doesn't really fit the prototypical linebacker mold, 5'10", 230, but, uh, but he's here. I don't think he's taken a regular season snap, but he has a little bit in preseason. He's got a little bit of practice in 2018 and 2019. Uh, for what it's worth, he wasn't the worst ever. No, I don't know. Again, maybe it was just a, a negotiating tactic. Like, look, hear us out. We'll bring your brother in. You guys can hang out for a little bit. You know, quarantine and all that stuff. Maybe it, maybe it was just the Packers being cool. Like, hey, man, we got a surprise for you. We're bringing your brother in for a workout. We're not going to sign him. But, you know, since you're all quarantined or whatever, we're going to, you know, quarantine him. We're going to do the, the testing and all that stuff on him. And then once he clears that, like, you guys just, you guys can hang out or whatever. We're, we're importing a, a visitor for you. I don't know. Whatever. He came in for a workout. Uh, it is worth noting, he was a pretty solid linebacker. He actually got quite a bit better. He spent four years at UTEP. Um, started off kind of mediocre. Spent the next two years grading out as good. Um, his final year, real good. Um, you know, obviously a lot of up and downs or whatever. But uh, his forte clearly was run defense. That was the one thing that got consistently better over time, as well as his tackling, which again, even in the preseason and the pros, pretty solid tackler. So, I don't know. I mean... I didn't expect all that much from Aaron either, and despite what appears to be a lack of elite tools for Aaron Jones, he uh, sure plays like an elite back. I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just saying. It's not like we got uh, Luke Keekley on the team or whatever tearing it up, and there's no reason for a linebacker. We got a bunch of guys that I don't trust. What's it gonna hurt? Anyways, I hate to cut it so short, but uh, we are beyond out of time. Again, hit me up if you're having any issues. Be on the lookout for the uh, newsletter. And I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.